This episode has been so much fun to create because we are celebrating two things. One of my guests is releasing his first book, Award-Winning Culture, and that just dropped today. So make sure that you go into the show notes and click on the link to purchase that book. And then second is that the Aspire podcast is turning two years old, and I can't believe it. I want to thank everyone who has listened to the podcast, taking the time to hopefully get some value on your leadership journey. And it is amazing to think of where this has started. And now, you know, the podcast is reaching over 60 countries. I think we're at 66 now. And it's just fantastic to think of the potential impact it's making and I couldn't think of two guests that I would want to celebrate with more than Hans and Jen Apple as we dive into the topic of social emotional learning, which as we all know is something I really feel needs to be a focus during this time and then every single day in every single classroom. Welcome back everyone to Aspire, the leadership development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. I have two amazing people here. I'm celebrating my two-year anniversary as far as the Aspire podcast, and I couldn't think of two better guests than to celebrate the two-year anniversary with, with the award-winning culture. Hans and Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And thanks for having us. We're excited. This is uh, like, we're such big fans of, of the work that you're putting out, the content you're putting out. So yeah, what, what you do just like meshes so well with, you know, what we believe in. I think we have similar belief systems. So everything that you kind of talk about and put out in the world, it matches with us. So I, and congratulations on two years. That's really cool. That's fun. Hans, you've been on the podcast before and we've got to hear your story and, and your journey. And if you haven't heard that episode, make sure you go back and listen because Hans gave some amazing wisdom um, as far as a counselor perspective. And then today, though, I want to talk about just the two of you and what you've created as far as the award winning culture and want to know kind of the origin story behind that. Yeah, we both work at the same school, which is kind of cool. And we've worked at the same school for like 18 of the 19 years. I think that we've been, I've been in 21, he's been in 19. So most of the time we've worked together, which is kind of a unique situation. And we kind of have two different perspectives of it. But the award-winning culture kind of came about when the middle school we're currently at, we were kind of at a breaking point. We were built for about 800 students and we had grown to about 1200. So we were about 400 over capacity. And so we had teachers, you know, in door rooms, we had like <laughs> everybody teaching like, you know, every period of day. I mean, it was just crazy. And so we had a new middle school being built, obviously, because we had so such a huge population, there was a change coming. And so we decided we needed something different for our school. And so we looked at social emotional programs. We ended up bringing in Character Strong and we changed our culture and our way of thinking um, at that point because we just thought we needed something different. Um, it wasn't working the way it was going. And so that's where it originated. We decided we needed to change our school and make it a better culture. Yeah. And then from that point, we started having a lot of success. You know, the more programs that we built on top and layered on top of one another, we started getting noticed, I guess you would say, by area districts and other, you know, schools and, and even the programs that we brought in. And everybody was kind of wondering what's going on that's so special at Enterprise. So, you know, why are your attendance rates up? Why are your discipline rates down? Why, you know, why are you having all these benchmark successes? And so it really forced Jen and I, Jen's a teacher, I'm a counselor 
she was a leadership teacher at the time. It really forced the two of us to kind of take a deep dive and try to figure out what is so special, what is, is happening here, this, this secret sauce. And so the more that we uncovered about what was working, we kind of came back to this idea of character, excellence, and community, these three pillars that were happening in our school. You know, we started blogging about it. We started, you know, going on podcasts about it. And really that just kind of formed the foundation of our uh, company, which is now award-winning culture, which is just sort of rooted in how do you bring back the joy into education? Yeah. And I, I think it was just kind of a lot, a lot of people talk about this. It's you see really good schools but then being able to reflect on it and see why is that. And so I think that's really what award-winning culture is, is we tried to take all of the things we were doing, all those little pieces, like those intentional pieces, and like, what exactly is that that you can do at your school? I mean, you can replicate this stuff. So what is it that we're actually doing? And taking those pieces and like, here's some practical things you can actually implement in your school that will help the culture. Yeah. And I want to talk about the secret sauce, right? Um, There's a lot of programs out there that people try to bring to campuses and they try and get it off the ground and maybe they see a little bit of success or maybe they see no success and then they get frustrated and those initiatives just fall to the wayside. So for your campus, what were some things that you guys put in place that really launched you to make sure that those programs were successful? I think it really comes back to a key word, Josh, which is intentionality. You know, I I think a lot of the elements are happening in schools all around the country. But when we talk specifically, like let's just talk social emotional learning. There's a lot of intentionality that goes into that, right? There's the curriculum you use, there's the training piece, there's developing a common language, there's rewards and reinforcers, there's those reminders, those highlights, and all those little elements really make up, you know, what's special about the social emotional piece. Otherwise, it just is a thing that you do once in a while. And so what we learned about what we were doing this, and we didn't realize it until we started examining it, is all the little intentionality that went into building that up and making that a part of everything we did. It wasn't a standalone program. It literally was, I would say, infused within the daily fabric of the entire school. All that mattered. And I I wrote actually a blog and the title of the blog was, it's not another thing on your plate. It is the plate. To me, that's, that kind of explained it all right there is you're just stacking everything up on top of the social emotional learning. So when you pick this program, it's not just, you know, you do it in advisory, doing your leadership class, whatever you're doing it all of the time. And everything else is stacked up on top of that foundation. And so when I, as a language arts teacher, I'm teaching social emotional learning in my language arts class. I'm teaching it when we're talking about a novel. Oh, you guys remember he's showing humility. Like, what does that mean? Right. And so I'm teaching all those concepts in my language arts class. I'm teaching those in social studies when we're talking about conflicts or something like that. We're talking about social emotional learning. So it goes, it's, it's through everything you're doing in your school, not just that one lesson that you're teaching. And I think when we think of school culture, Josh, a lot of times we think in terms of that's a thing that the principal does. That's a thing that the superintendent does. That's the thing the counselor does. Right. And so we wanted to, we wanted to kind of change that mindset and, you know, teach people that it's, it's something that we all impact. And when I say all, I mean, students, staff, parents, community, it's not just, you know, somebody that has the title of, of leader you know, building leader, district leader. And, you know, we can all impact school culture every day. And when we do, it really creates these exceptional learning environments where people can thrive. 
And I want to talk about the student piece because I got to see you two present at the Teach Better conference last year, and you guys did a phenomenal job. But the thing that surprised me and made a huge impact as far as my outlook was everything that you presented had a student influence. What was the result once you started adding students to the decision process? Yeah. I mean, as a leadership teacher, you know, a lot of the things I did was it was based on what the kids wanted or they thought we needed or were their ideas. And that's the only way you're going to get change is if you empower people, you're a principal, you know, so if you want change in your building, your teachers have to do it. (laughs) Like, it's not going to be you coming down and saying, Hey, you're going to go do this. They're not going to listen as much. Maybe a couple people do it, but you got to get other teachers influencing each other. It's the same thing with students. So if we get some students that are like, Hey, I want to do this. This is really cool. This is our idea. They're going to get all their friends to do it. They're going to get everybody in the school to do it. So if they have, they're empowered, they have that empowerment that they're now wanting to control things. And it's funny because the kids start saying, well, that's just what we do. Like, that's just how we do things because they're feeling like, no, this is mine. Like I'm the one that's done this. This is on me. And so they have that power and it's not always, it doesn't always work out perfectly. And you have to be okay with that. Like there's some ideas that kids came up with and I was like, I'm going to support you, but it didn't always work out perfectly. And that's okay. Maybe we can learn from this. And they were like, you know what? I should have done this. I should have done this. Great. We learned from what, what we're doing here and we're going to make it better the next time. The other interesting thing is it doesn't happen overnight, Josh. Like it sounds great to say, okay, we're going to give students a voice and, you know, empower them and all that. They're not necessarily used to that role. And even though they love it, even though they love it, once they get used to it, I mean, we noticed that it took students a while before they were really willing to speak up and take that on. But man, once they do it, it gets exciting. I'll never forget maybe a year into this we had a seventh grade student come back and he had kind of done some thinking over the summer, what his incoming sixth graders need. He realized that lockers were this huge hurdle for incoming sixth graders. That's kind of the new kids into our school kind of thing. And so he wanted to develop a way, do like a a special surprise for them. So as a seventh grader, he was able to kind of put that empathy hat on and realize that, hey, we need to find a way to celebrate these sixth graders and celebrate their accomplishment of getting their lockers open. So he designed this whole elaborate thing with all the leadership kids to go in and basically hide these little surprises in all the lockers. And it was the funniest thing because, you know, even saying it out loud right now sounds like such an obvious, like, oh yeah, that that makes total sense. But we've been doing it for, I don't know, 15 years, never thought about this. And you know, he had gone away for the summer thinking about how do we make the first day of school a little bit better for sixth graders? Cause this locker thing is really hard. Was not an adult idea. He came back. He's like, what do you guys think about this? We're like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds amazing. So I think, you know, once you kind of get kids thinking that way, you know, you get that mindset and we call it that award-winning culture mindset, man, it's just, it just, it's infectious. Everybody starts seeing the world through that lens. Well, and I think the other thing is with that one student, The other piece of it is every step of the way, I asked him if he was okay with what I was doing to help. I was like, you know, I made these cards. We were going to copy this. Is this okay? And he's like, well, let's change this or whatever. And so he was the lead. He he led the whole thing. I kind of helped him and he, he looked at everything. He approved everything. And then when we actually sat down to a group of leadership students where they had to put the bags together because there's like 300 sixth graders, right? And so when they all sat down, I said, he's in charge, ask him what to do. Here's your supplies, go. And so he 
took the lead. I mean, he did everything. So it wasn't just, they come up with an idea. You also have to empower them to, you need to see the steps that go into this process and you have to approve every step that goes in as a leader. You have to run it once you get other worker. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's not just like the kids come up with an idea and you're like, okay, I'll go do that. You have to let them also participate in the process. But it's, it's come so far now, Josh. I mean, you know, last year we actually had kids participating in adult book studies. So I mean, just think about that for a second. You know, you have a group of teachers that are doing book. Let's say they're reading Innovator's Mindset, right? Or, or whatever the, the book that's happening in that school. Imagine a book study and then including students. Mm-hmm. You know, they're reading the book. They're giving insights. Like I would have never thought about that five years ago. Sure. But once you start empowering your people, it's just like it just yeah. takes over. So you talked about any any type of change, and we all know this, especially in education, it, it does take a long period of time. So I'm curious as far as the leadership, you've talked about leadership at the admin level, at the counselor level, teacher level, and the student level. How long did that take to get all of those aligned? And then also what strategies were used to get everybody to buy in? Because like you said, five years ago, that was something that wasn't even on your radar, but mm-hmm. now it's a part of your everyday existence. So I'm curious about that process. Yeah. I think the key word that we kind of come back to is time. Um, you know, I think everything that we did, we built in a layer of time, just taking the social emotional learning piece of it. And I know Josh, this is something you and I have talked about specifically. We took one whole year just to roll out social emotional learning. I mean, there was, there were people that were excited about it. You know, they were like, let's just go, let's dive in. There were people that are like, heck no, I don't want any part of this. And so taking that time, to really work through the what ifs, the questions, the concerns, building capacity, you know, going through things like sample lesson plans, you know, walking people through it, looking at it from all these different lenses, um, that really allowed people to to jump on. And when I say time, I mean, I think a lot of times when we talk about rolling out a new program, we think in terms of adults only, right? We think in terms a lot of times of just teachers only. But you know, we were also at the same point. How do we provide that same time for students? How do we provide that same time for parents? So let's get input. I don't know. We've all probably sat on adoption committees and things like that where it feels like the decision's already made and this is just a formality. And I think when we've done those kind of things and it's been super successful, it's the opposite of that, right? We're really building capacity with all of these different stakeholders. Yeah, I would have to say with all the different things that we've done over the last maybe five or six years, we've really tried to take a slow approach, you know, to time. Well, and I think the other thing is from the teacher's perspective, especially with SEL, like the counselors were kind of the ones that brought that in, the the program we had before, the, our current program. And I think one thing I appreciated, I remember Hans getting up at a staff meeting um, and him basically saying, we didn't do a good job with the last curriculum. Like we screwed up. It wasn't, it, it wasn't right for our building. It's not working. I apologize for that. So let's kind of move on. And as a teacher, I'm like, that's, I like that. Like, you're right. Cause it's, cause we didn't like it at that point. You know, we had gotten, and it wasn't that it was a bad program. It just, it wasn't working for us anymore. I know a lot of teachers have said that they appreciated that. Like, Hey, this isn't working. Let's try something else. So kind of admitting that we, we need to learn from these and kind of move on. Yeah. I think it's that vulnerable leadership, but then yeah. it's also the ability to 
express your vision. We had a pretty strict, you know, idea of what we wanted our social emotional program to become. You know, I think it was, it was us being able to articulate sort of that plan and how we're going to get there and why we were so sure it was going to be a success and why we were so passionate about it. But I know Jen's right. I think kind of owning up to our mistakes and what didn't work before really helped. I know you guys have embedded social emotional learning into everything that you do on your campus. And like you said, Jen, it's, it is your plate now for your campus. Each teacher seems to have that mindset. And based on your last answer, you talked about having a curriculum for SEL. It didn't work out for you. And now you're with Character Strong. So why did you choose Character Strong as kind of like your foundational piece for social emotional learning? Character Strong's different than any other program that's out there. Number one, it it's rooted in a secondary servant leadership model, which is completely opposite of any other program you're going to find on the market. We did about a two-year dive on curriculum out there. We looked at everything that was out there and it was a highly experiential model that was developed by secondary folks. Every other program that's on the market, I can say this unequivocally, was created originally by elementary folks and then later adapted to middle school. Most all the other programs that are out there are focusing on things like role plays and kind of fake scenarios. This was different in the sense that it really allowed students to get out and live uh, the things that were being taught. So rather than just talking about bullying, rather than just talking about these big ideas, it actually put students out there in an opportunity to practice them. So one of the things that Character Strong does is something called a character dare where they challenge students to go out you know, after the, the lesson over the next week and put some act of kindness or act of service or empathy into practice. They have the same thing for families. They have the same thing for administrators. So they're, part of the, their program is constantly challenging all the different stakeholders at the school. Yeah, and I, I think the other piece that's in there is the leadership piece right. um, as a leadership teacher. And so especially, you know, this, this is how the program is a little bit different and it's, and it's geared towards secondary because they actually have a curriculum for leadership classes, which most, you know, middle and middle and high school classes have some sort of leadership or some sort of health or something that you can teach, you know, the SEL in. Right. And so I really liked that piece of it too, because we could do the advisory curriculum with the whole school but then there was specific things that taught really in depth more the servant leadership model in the leadership classes. And so you were able to really go farther in with the program. And, and like Han said, it's very experiential. And so as a leadership teacher, I'm not just talking. I just felt like some of the other programs, it's a lot of me talking and like giving information and there's, it's much more, you go out and do it, yeah. you know, cause that's, that's the way you learn is going out and actually practicing these things. And so that's where that piece kind of came in that I think was a lot better. I always tell people they kind of remove that cheesy factor yeah. that, that I think a lot of times happens in secondary type programs. There's no 80s after school specials. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's a great way to say yeah. it. <laughs> I know. We loved those as a child. I know. I know. But yeah. I, I just think kids relate to the content so much more. And kids are linked to the content. I think staff buys into the content. With our old program, we had a, certainly a, a pocket of staff members that are like, why are we doing this? Kids aren't relating to this. They don't get it. We don't have that anymore. Obviously, we're in a very strange time right now, unprecedented uh, with distance learning and social emotional learning is probably needed more than ever with our students potentially being in uh, an environment that's filled with trauma. 
And, you know, when they come back to our schools, you know, there's a lot of experiences that they're going to be living through and, you know, anxiety and a whole host of different issues that the students are going to be coming back to the building with whenever that may be. So just as far as social emotional learning, what are some tactics and strategies that you're using now? And what is some advice for once things come back to normal, whatever that new normal will be, what can schools do to, to help students through that potentially emotional trauma? Yeah, I mean, I think a key right now, and I, I think every lesson like every day needs to start this way. And this is this is how I started my class every day is how are you like a check in. So we do some check ins at our school, like some of the teachers do right at the beginning of class, you know, rate your day one to five, give me a little information. Do you want to share with me what's going on? And for me, it was standing at the door too. you know, I greeted every single class as they came in every single kid when they came in. And you can see from a kid's eyes how they're feeling what they're doing. And so I think continue that when we come back. And so now that it's, you know, it's distance learning, yeah. we don't get to see them all the time. I think it's, I care more about who you are and how you're doing than I care about if you're doing algebra right now. Yeah. That's what matters, right? I mean, the whole country is going to be behind a little bit academically. That's just the way it is. And we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. It's not our school is going to be behind and everybody else is going to keep moving on. Like we're all in the same position here. So I think focusing on, are you okay? Are you safe? <laughs> Do you have your needs met? You know, is that kind of thing happening right now? That's what I care about. And then if you'd like to learn some math, I'll give you some math. You know, if, if you want to do some of that's cool. If you want to read a book or whatever, but I think it's caring about, are you okay? And I think in our classrooms, that's what we need to do. We need to start every single, you know, when they come in from recess in elementary school, when they come to class in middle school and high school, how are you? How's your day going? What, what it's happening? How is it doing? And if we don't get to math or language arts that day, we don't get to it because I care more about you as a person than I do about the content right now. I would echo that. I think, you know, I'm excited and encouraged by what all of this trauma has created as far as opportunity. I think it, it's brought to the forefront that we really need to focus on whole child education. My fear is that we come back to school and people do that for a couple of weeks and then they fall back into old patterns. And so I would hope that this just shines a bright light, that this needs to be our focus each and every day, just like Jen talked about. This can't be, we're going we're gonna to spend the first couple of weeks focusing on relationships and then we're going to get down to business. Getting down to business is taking care of each other every day. It also means we have to embed content and academics and that, that you know, rigor and all those things that are essential to learning. But it starts with just making sure we're all okay and we all have our basic needs met. And, you know, so I'm, I'm encouraged and excited by how this has brought that to light. But I hope people don't lose sight of that over the summer. And I know we'll get into it. But my book, Award-Winning Culture, is coming out, I feel like, at the perfect time. Because I want people to get energized going into the summer and then coming back in the fall of like, okay, now we've all realized that we've got to take care of each other right? That relationships matter, that, that emotional regulation matter. All these things are critical. Now, how do we do that? Let's do that. Each and every day, let's do that. Well, that's a perfect segue, Hans. You both have some exciting news because you guys got signed on for not only one book, not two books, but three books. So I just want to know what the plan is for all of that literature <laughs> coming out. And- <laughs> all that material coming your way. <laughs> Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Um, 
Yeah. So my book is coming out. Uh, it'll release May 22nd. It's called Award-Winning Culture, Building School-Wide Intentionality and Action Through Character, Excellence, and Community. And it really is a book focusing on giving educational leaders a framework and inspiration and ideas and practicality into how to build exceptional school culture that's rooted in joy. And so I wrote it partly for myself to remind myself, but also because, you know, we really want to kind of take what we've learned from our school and, and some of the amazing moments that have happened over the last few years. We want to take that and basically share that with the world. Yeah. You've, you've and then, uh, yeah. So mine is the second book in the, the three book series. And mine's more basically taking all the ideas from Hans's book at the beginning, Character, Excellence, and Community, and I break it down for teachers. So it's very classroom specific, and it's very specific for teachers. Like, here's what your classroom should look like. His is kind of a little bit more like school-wide focus. And so mine is more specifically for the classroom and what teachers can do on a daily basis um, in their rooms to be able to do that. And then our third book is about a year out. So mine will come out the end of this year um, is the plan. And then um, our third book will come out after that. And that's kind of more of the community piece of it. Yeah. And so that'll be more how this culture applies to everything, not just education. And then I actually wrote another book. So um, yeah. Because she has nothing else to do. Right. So. <laughs> why, why not in, in my free time? What are you, you don't need to sleep. Like, why do you know you don't need time? So um, I actually have a children's book, but it's basically, it's for elementary teachers. And so it's taking the concepts, character, excellence, and community again, um, that culture piece and putting it into a form that elementary teachers can use with their students mm -hmm. to teach them those same concepts, except at the elementary level. It's really become almost like a second series. So we have this, this adult series that you kind of alluded to, Josh, that's three books. And then she's actually working. It's a, it's a series of children's books that are going to be coming out for elementary teachers. So it's pretty cool. We're pretty excited about that. I, I think the first one will release probably this fall. Yeah, kind of August. Yeah, we're hoping. August, yeah, and then another new project you got going on is your podcast. You have a new podcast called the Award Winning Culture Podcast. So, what is the origin story behind that, and what are you all going to be talking about? Yeah, you know, we you know that we had a student led podcast for the last couple of years, and so that's been fun. With coronavirus, we haven't been able to do a whole lot with that. Something that we had been toying around with is doing kind of an adult version uh, of that, where we're tackling those big. Uh, school culture leadership kind of concepts, but we're kind of weird. We we do a dog walk basically each day. Um, Jen's holding our dog right now, trying to get her to calm down. But that's that's how we start every day. Is we'll go for like a five mile walk. But because we are both educators, work in the same school, we a lot of times we're kind of nerds. We we end up uh, having these really philosophical conversations and and talking about like educational pedagogy and school culture and and just you know, leadership development and all that kind of stuff. So they're kind of fun for us because, you know, we'll just be walking and talking and arguing and debating. And uh, she takes the teacher side of things and I take the counselor side of it. And, and uh, usually by the end, we've had a pretty good discussion. And so what we thought would be cool is what if we just essentially recorded that? Mm -hmm. So the idea was let's create a podcast shorter in nature where we don't do interviews like you're doing right now, it's just us talking about what we're passionate about. So we're going to try to keep those to like, you know, 15 minute conversations. 
but it should be pretty fun. So we're excited. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. It's going to be a new, new project. We feel like we're podcasters because we've been working from the adult side of this student-led podcast for a while, but yeah. it's a new hat to wear, right? So we're going to be picking your brain about what to do. Yeah, we realize we're not actually as good as our students. They're a lot better at it than we are. <laughs> you were like the producer before, and now you get to be- a Right, I know. The producer should never become the star, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited for you both. That's going to be awesome, and um, I look forward to listening. And then for those who are listening right now and, and hearing all these amazing things about award-winning culture and want to know more about that, I know you guys are a part of the Teach Better team and are speaking quite a bit obviously now virtually but you know once everything comes back to normal um, at conferences and things so if they want to learn more about the award-winning culture how could they get in contact with you yeah so you can visit our website uh, awardwinningculture.com it's probably the easiest way to track us down we're both very active on twitter as well twitter is hans n apple apple spelled a-p-p-e-l and you're at jennifer m apple so that's the best way to get us Well, I always enjoy talking with you both. I could spend another hour with you, but I just appreciate you both and all the work that you're doing, not only on your campus, but around the nation as far as trying to change the the mindset and and really amplifying social-emotional learning. So thank you both for your work, and then also thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Josh.